Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Listen to the Road of His Radio Weekly Recap, where I, your host, Kyle Dvorak, on Twitter, at FFKyleTheKid, take you on a tour through the last week in Road of His podcast. And if you want access to the Road of His site, all of the dozens of apps, more than a thousand articles per year, and some of the best fantasy advice in the industry, do so by going to roadofhis.com forward slash podcast for a listeners only 30% discount. And if you want to support the podcast even more, go to patreon.com forward slash Road of His Radio. You get access to the awesome community of hosts and listeners of the show, as well as the Sunday morning Road of His live show where you can get those final start sit or DFS questions answered. It's a great way to up your DFS game and support the shows in the process. Our first clip comes to you from the College Football Fantasy Show, and I was going to bring to you a clip of them talking about the Ohio State-Penn State game because I missed it and I wanted to hear what it was like, but I think the conversation they have about players' right to transfer and their right to control their career in whatever little way possible that they can is... A more important conversation to be had, so please have a listen. So there was some big news before the weekend actually even started off, and that was with the Kelly Bryant announcement of him transferring. And I was just wanting to get your thoughts on that. Chris Carter, um, on First Things First, I don't know if you ever watched that, but he kind of went off on Bryant saying how he should be staying with the team and he should put the team first and kind of saying like you should be getting everything you can out of Clemson because you have relationships there and you should stick it out and all this kind of stuff. And I was curious what your thoughts were, Matt, about that whole thing. Not necessarily, not necessarily Chris Carter's comments, but more the fact that Kelly Bryant's transferring. Um, I am sort of torn on the whole matter. Like as much as I do kind of believe in the whole like team mentality of, uh, trying to be a part of this national championship team and everyone's a part of this process and you got brought the scholarship to play for this school. It's hard for me to say that when I also know that kids get their, a lot of these scholarships that they're given at are while they're four year scholarships, a lot of them are really just one year scholarships that can be cut um, each season and they can lose their scholarship kind of on the drop of a dime. So for as much as I want to sit there and, crush kelly bryant and say oh he's such a non-team player he's not wanting to do this i mean the truth is for a lot of these college kids when you look around the purpose of going to college to play football is you're either going there to be part of a national championship team and in his case he wanted to be the starter on a national championship team or you're going there to try and build a stock to become a pro football player and i think kelly bryant saw what was happening around him and basically said They've decided that we're going to be in the Trevor Lawrence business, which I said last week I think was probably the right decision for Clemson. I, it's one of those things where I kind of can't crush him for saying, like, I'm going to go somewhere where I'm just going to be the starter because look at what I've done as a starter. Um, I do kind of – like, this rule kind of sucks. Like, it is going to – I think it's going to be a thing oh, until yeah. they change oh, yeah. it because, I mean – why wouldn't you? I, the one thing I sit here and think is crazy is 
how is Jalen Hurts still at Alabama? Yeah. How did he not look around and say, oh, I'm legitimately just the like – I'm the going in the second half with the second string guys now. Like, I, I don't understand how we didn't hear that announcement for transfer too, and maybe it's just a difference in personality or maybe – Kelly Bryant truly felt slighted in a way that Jalen Hurts hasn't. It's It was a crazy week, and I, I think the expectations were that, while I did think we'd see some transfers, I think the names that we saw transfer were not the ones I was expecting. My personal take on the on the Bryant situation was, one, I was glad that he, uh, he was made aware before this game so that he would still have eligibility to transfer uh, right away and be able to play next year. But two, I don't blame the kid at all. Like... You've got one chance to play college football in your life, and he wasn't going to steal the job back from Trevor Lawrence. Even if Lawrence struggled, that was who they were going to be going with, and he wants to play football. And so he knew he wasn't going to get the shot at Clemson anymore. Now he can go somewhere else and try to play. And it kind of reminded me of what happened to um, Darren Thomas, who most people won't remember, but he was a quarterback for Oregon, who his senior year gave up the reins or would have given up the reins to Marcus Mariota because he knew Mariota was going. So instead of sticking around at Oregon, he actually declared for the NFL draft and didn't get drafted. And everyone at the time was like, why is this guy going out after his junior year? He's not going to make it in the NFL. And it's just because he knew that Mariota was one of the best college quarterbacks of all time. That's a fact. week the Atlanta Falcons visit Pittsburgh in a game that has a total that has risen one and a half points since the line opened to a staggering 58 in a game that should be filled with fantasy goodness we're left with one question and that is when will Julio Jones score will he ever score again is his career a scoring touchdowns over and will he only ever score yards in his past 20 games he has two touchdowns compared to Calvin Ridley a rookie who has started just the four games they have played so far has already scored six more than Julio Jones has scored in his past 28 games. So, when will Julio Jones score? Talking about this and the Falcons' offense as a whole, here's Colm Kelly and Sean Siegel on Road to His Overtime. And we've teased a couple of times this idea of the Atlanta Falcons. You mentioned how they were disappointed with how the game ended again this week. This is a controversial offense, right? Because they are scoring a ton of points. And and that's the goal, right? The goal isn't to, uh, from their perspective, from Steve Sarkeesian's perspective, their goal is not to make sure the points are allocated in a way that fits with what fantasy owners. So the fact that Julio Jones is a disappointment does not factor in for them. The fact that Tevin Coleman is a disappointment, you know, that's not a huge issue for them, except that if they could get more value out of his touches, that would be good for the the reality team as well. But Blair points out that the problem for a couple of these guys is Sarkeesian, right? And so we want to look at and see what they're doing, try and decide if that is the case and if they should do something different, if it will also help them from a reality perspective. So only three wide receivers have more targets than Jones. No one has more receiving yards, yet he is just number seven in expected points. And the reason for that discrepancy is because of the targets and expected points around the goal line. You have Jones, who is the most athletic wide receiver in the NFL, and he's playing for one of the highest scoring offenses, yet his red zone targets are less valuable than Jarvis Landry's, Cooper Cups, Taylor Gabriel's, uh, 
guys who are, are much less athletic, much lower profile in terms of what you would think they would bring in this most important area of the field. Is this an issue with the play calling? Is it something that you think that they should be doing differently? Or as long as the as as Jones can function as this just incredibly high profile decoy in those areas and allow people like Calvin Ridley to continue to rack up the points, you know, does that offense work for them to accomplish what they're trying to do, given the fact that this team is gonna have to score a lot of points to win? They've they've demonstrated that pretty clearly. Yeah, and I thought this defense would be pretty solid at the start of the year based on the speed they would have. But you know, after two weeks, they pretty much had half of their their main starters uh, on IR, so that obviously hurt them. But you know, in terms of Sarkeesian and the job he's doing, I know he's had like last year in particular those uh, a lot of controversy around his um, you know the the role that he he did. But if you look at like the points they're putting up against the Saints and then again this week against the Bengals, it hasn't really been an offensive problem. The problem then has been for us as fantasy players, Jones not getting into the end zone. But if you look at what he's doing in terms of play calling, he's done a pretty good job. My my problem with the even even looking back to the situation when they had Shanahan, when they get inside that kind of inside the red zone or inside the ten yard line in particular, they really struggle to punch it in when they have a short field. I think the offense is much better when they're kind of at the forty yard line and they have a chance to to work down. I find when it gets into the tighter spaces. Over his last, let me look at it, twenty games, he has uh, just the just the three touchdowns. Like it's it's a huge sample to go. So he's had he's had a hundred and seven receptions, I believe. No, hundred and seventeen receptions, sorry, and just three of them for touchdowns. So we talk about positive regression. You would imagine that it has to happen at some point, Sean. If you if I give you the over under now on uh, touchdown receptions for Julio for the season, are you going over under eight? I think you have to go under six. I think will be the number I would set it. Six is where you would go. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a play calling issue. There is certainly, I think, a disconnect between Ryan and Jones in that area of the field. And then we also have to get a little bit of it on Jones. In lineups where I'm stacking this game, which there are many of them, I'm often looking to run Julio Jones back with the Pittsburgh receivers namely Antonio Brown, because I think the Juju has taken over as the number one wide receiver hype has gone too far, which maybe, maybe he has. He is a young, one of the most precocious talents in the league right now, but we're still talking about Antonio Brown here, and you can do so by finding cheap running backs like Austin Eckler, who's outpouring his salary every single week, but DraftKings still doesn't seem to know and still has him priced at 4200 as well as some long shots like Aaron Jones, who last week was given 11 attempts and turned that into 65 yards and a touchdown, and most importantly, he looked like what we all thought, which was a significantly better running back than Jamal Williams, who the Packers loved for his pass blocking. But I think what they have both shown us is that other than pass blocking, Aaron Jones is likely the better all-around back. And on DraftKings, only 4,300. Before we get in the next clip, I have to remind you to check out my bookie because sure, watching football is fun, but it's more entertaining when you have some action on the games, when you have something on the line. People, you've heard me talk about this for weeks, and some of you are still on the sidelines, but Whether you're an expert or a rookie, you should be betting at MyBookie. If you're the kind of person that likes to bet a little and win a lot, likes playing numbers on roulette, you can create a big parlay. Pick three teams to win, and if you hit all three, you'll turn 100 into 600, just like that. And it's not just football. You can bet all major sports. Like tonight, as this show comes out, we're preparing for the Conor McGregor fight, his first step back into the octagon in two years. You can bet on things like whether he'll win straight up or whether Khabib will deliver a first-round KO. I recommend these guys because I really trust them. 
This is the one bet I know you'll be happy with all season. MyBookie has been in the business for years. They've got great online reviews, and their mobile site is easy to use. If you're on the sidelines, now is the time to get in the game. MyBookie will still match your first deposit dollar for dollar, but you've got to join now because they'll be pulling that offer soon. Log on to MyBookie right now and double your money. Use the promo code RODOVIZ, and you'll get your first deposit matched 100%. That is promo code RODOVIZ. You play, you win, and you get paid. This next clip comes to you courtesy of the High Stakes Lowdown, where Eric Balkman interviews different high stakes players every week. This week he has on Ron Meyer, and they're talking about the breakout of Corey Davis and whether this is a sell window or whether this is reason to be optimistic for his dynasty future. And then they get into the Leonard Fournette conversation of, was it a good idea to draft him in the first place? Now we know that he has been missing games due to injury and hasn't been scoring when he's been playing because he has been injured, but... I think it's important to review the process that led us here more so than the outcome. Take it away, Balky. Uh, you made a, a reference uh, about the similarities between Josh Doxson this year in trying to trade him and then Corey Davis, how you think it's going to be next year uh, as it pertains to uh, their dynasty value. What do these two players have in common? And maybe maybe you're backing off this. I don't even know after Corey Davis's big game on Sunday. But what are these two players or what did you see that they had in common? And uh, should dynasty owners actually be looking to flip Corey Davis right now after this big game that he had this past weekend? Well, when you see me on Twitter, you can't always believe what I say. There's rumor has it some people call me a liar. <laughs> <laughs> no, come on. Really, I've never said that. <laughs> exactly. Um, I mean, he started off the year. I mean, he's got a lot of, a lot of targets. But for dynasty wise, I really prefer guys on teams that the teams score a lot of points. And I really don't feel confident in him. You know, kind of long term for dynasty that he's going to do it. Right now, he's the go-to guy. He's seen a ton of targets. But there are no other really wide receivers that he's got. Delaney Walker's hurt as well. So really the only other option on that team is Deion Lewis. And so I would flip him now, especially after he just had this big week and a ton of targets, you know, get some good value for him. Um, I wouldn't uh, give him away at this point, but at the same time, I would not be looking to acquire him. And this is good. I mean, I mean, does does that mean good news for Taewon Taylor, or is he just a victim of this offense, in your opinion, as well, where he's he's going to have big games, but he's also going to have uh, some letdown games too? More of like, I guess, more of a best ball type guy rather than uh, a, a guy that you want to be plugging in week in and week out with the exit of Richard Matthews off Tennessee. Yeah, Taylon Taylor, I, I'm not a big fan of him. I see, I was kind of looking through today the free agency stuff that's out there. I see him in a few leagues as he wasn't picked up last week, but I'm still off on him. I think he's just he's just going to get a few extra passes just because there isn't much there, but I'm not a, not really impressed with his talent. Similarly to Corey Davis, and and maybe you know the the time is right now to to see what you can get for him. What about Leonard Fournette? Because this guy is you know a former first round pick. He was going in the mid first round of redraft leagues for the FFPC this year. If you own him in dynasty, I mean, is it is it time to try to get what you can for him? Because I, it it just doesn't seem like he's ever he's the type of player that's ever going to be fully healthy. I mean, he had that the ankle injury was just killing him during his rookie season. Now it's this hamstring where he couldn't get right in time for week three. And then he gets right for week four and then he leaves. It's just, it's one thing after another Fournette. You, you bring up the headaches with, uh, you know, owning a guy like Taewon Taylor or, or Corey Davis or, or Amari Cooper. I mean, 
you could probably make the same claim about Leonard Fournette having these frustrating games where he's, you know, scoring single digits or less for fantasy points. Yeah, Fournette's a guy that I've never been a fan of in redraft or in dynasty. Kind of give you an example, redraft this year, the big payback in Kentucky. I was sitting at the 11 spot. I could have drafted Fournette, and I passed on him. I, I let uh, John Rozak take him at 12. I, I just i am not a fan of his skill set. I don't like the offense of the Jaguars. To me, again, that's a team that doesn't score a ton of points, so I don't want him on my team either. And even going back to college, he did have some great games. Um, he was, you know, dominant, but he also was injured in college too. I'd rather just, uh, you know, take the chips where I can and, and get a few other guys or one guy in a first rounder next year for Fournette, and I'd be happy. In the absence of Leonard Fournette in their upcoming game against the Jaguars, I want to talk about what this offense will look like without him because I want to get pieces of teams playing against because I want to get pieces of teams playing against the Kansas City defense, maybe the worst defense in the league, and their offense is going to force you to compete with them by scoring points, and everyone has done that against the Kansas City defense so far. So, I want to talk about what they look like, and that will be the Blake Bortles show. Using the Rotoviz Game Splits app, we can look at what Blake Bortles has done without Leonard Fournette. And when he hasn't played, Bortles immediately gets a six-point jump in PPR points. His attempts are relatively the same. It's just the way they use him. He also scores about a half touchdown more. And more importantly, he's getting an extreme boost in yardage. He gets 65 more yards per game. So I expect their passing game to be good. And with that being said, I want to look at a guy like Corey Grant, who's used out of the backfield most ex- mostly as a pass catcher. And should he vulture a touchdown that TJ Yeldon could have had, TJ Yeldon being a potentially chalky running back this week, I want to look for ways to pivot off of Yeldon onto the passing game. And Corey Grant allows me to double down on that and save salary and boost up my wide receiving game this week. Our final clip comes to you courtesy of the Fantasy Football Beat, hosted by Mike Randall, typically talking to a beat reporter about what we should see in the upcoming week. This week he has Dr. David Chow, the pro football doc, on to talk about the nature and some of our misconceptions about NFL injuries and the process of becoming injured and what it looks like from there. How do they come back to playing? If there was a show this week that you should go back and listen to all of, it would be this one because I don't think we ever get a chance really to to consume this type of information because we're so focused on, you know, DFS, start sits. But this is a, a different show and maybe one of the most informative ones you'll hear all season. Have a listen. These players are putting their health on the line each and every week. Is there a variance, and I would think there would be, to the ability for a professional football player to play with pain? That, to me, is a skill, much like blocking or tackling. And in your experience, who are some of the toughest players you worked with in your career that were really able to play through the pain and still perform at a high level? Well, there was a, there are a number of them. And uh, one of the things I'll tell you is uh, the the and this is true of patients, too, uh, the patients, at least my patients that come in and say, doctor, I'm tough. I can stand pain. I won't have a problem after surgery. Those are the ones you might want to watch out for. The ones that say, when you start talking about pain, just shrug it off. Those are the ones that seem to do well. So in, in my experience, uh, the ones that sort of can, as you say, ignore pain or just deal with it and uh, it's a bump in the road are the ones that are tougher. And there's a lot of different examples uh, over time. 
that I've had, and it's hard to single them out, but, but certainly it's hard not to single out a, a, a Junior Seau or a John Perella back in the day, a, a D lineman for us. Uh, those are hard ones to, to uh, not single out. Phillip Rivers is certainly tough. Look, he really hasn't missed any games, and you, I can tell you he's had injuries. He just hasn't missed any games, and so there's a, there's a number of people that 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 can ignore pain and and play through it. And by the way, they're not paying through playing through on pain medication. Pain medication, narcotic pain medication, slow down your reaction time and your thinking. Uh, you can't have a quarterback on pain medication uh, playing that way, or even a defensive player who really needs to know scheme to be able to anticipate what's going on. So very few of these players actually play with narcotic pain medicine. Yeah, I would think that would that would hurt decision-making. And, and I expected you to say Rivers. That's what I thought. I mean, he, he's played every game. He's an ultimate competitor, certainly with someone on the outside that, that, that came to me that would be one of those players. Uh, let's talk about some of the injuries that have occurred this year. One of the biggest ones, of course, was week one, the Aaron Rodgers injury that occurred in the first half of the game against the Bears. You periscoped at halftime and said, quote, I don't see how this is an ACL tear the way he landed. And sure enough, you were right on. We as fans, we saw Rodgers on the cart, him going off. And, and for the fantasy football community, we start running to the waiver wire already trying to see who we're going to replace him with and assume the worst. What made you know that he was going to be okay when the rest of us just assumed he was gone for the year? And how do you think it's going to affect him or limit him moving forward rest of the season? Well, like if I if I told you that I'd have to kill you. No, I just kidding. No, it's, just, it, it, it's just you know years or decades of experience, not just as an orthopedic surgeon, not just as a physician, but seeing these injuries. Uh, one of the things that I did, and, and I'm not sure why I did it when I was in the league, but uh, after seeing a player hurt uh, on Sunday on the field, on the sideline, in the locker room. And then the following day in injury clinic the next morning after an MRI, made it a habit of going upstairs with the head athletic trainer, James Collins, and going to the video room. And the video boys would always have injuries pulled up for us, the all-22 end zone and sideline, as well as the uh, game film uh, from the broadcast. And we'd look at the injuries. I'm not sure what we were looking for. I, you know, it's a football thing to do to look at video, and so perhaps that's why I was doing it. Uh, but just to try and learn more about your craft, so to speak. And that, in turn, after 17 years of doing that, now that I'm done with uh, the traveling and the sideline work and the little kids at home, uh, I think it's led to give me a big advantage in being able to tell these things by looking. And uh, one of the things I will tell you I do not look at is I pay very little attention to a player's reaction. That's going to do it for the recap this week. As always, make sure you're checking out my bookie. If you want to sub to Rotoviz, do so at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast and support the show on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Rotoviz radio. Thanks for tuning in.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.